What Trump wants is reality. There's nothing else outside of that that he's driven by. So that's the part of the personality structure that is adapted. He's adapted arguably quite well to our socio-political economic system to always try and get what he wants. Going after what you want, self-maximization. You're self-determined, you're an individual geared towards this kind of Darwinian survival of the fittest uh, mentality. Consciousness, the notion of the self, personality structure, transactional analysis, symbiosis, Zen Buddhism, teacher-student, relationships, training yourself in how to think. To subvert is to undermine the existing system of inscribed power and authority. What's happening in the digital space? The virtual world. Much of us live in a hyper-stimulated present where language itself has become the info currency in the sequence of corporate capitalism. The injunction of the virtual world is... The gatekeepers of our speech and written word are global tech monopolies. We cannot transcend or go beyond our lack through craving. What are we going to do? How are we going to live our life? The subversive therapist is about what the virtual world is doing to us and what we can do about it. Hi again and welcome to the podcast. I'm Andrew Archer. Maybe just to start, I want to recap on the first two episodes We've been talking about transactional analysis and the personality structure that it puts forward, which is a multiple or plural mind, the idea of multiplicity, so there's not just a singular, solid unit inside your head. The self is an illusion, and you can understand it with these three processes, what they call the parent, adult, and child. It feels like a solid entity, self, inside our heads, right at the center of our skull. But it's actually these distinct processes, two of which are conditioned. The parent is conditioned externally by our caregivers, our parents predominantly. But that includes the, the messages of the culture itself trickle down through the parents to the child. But this is a more habitual state, uh, and so there's a conservation of energy in terms of being in the parent's state. Um, most parents understand this, that it doesn't take a whole lot of energy, uh, mental energy, to parent you know what to do, you know what not to do with kids and how to keep them safe uh, because we were taken care of as kids ourselves, hopefully. And this is in contrast with the child ego state that is an internally programmed process. So while you were being conditioned and taken care of as a kid, you had an internal experience of that, uh, what it was like to go through those emotions, those events, uh, histories. And so that is all of our social conditioning is the child ego state, all the memories, the experiences, our sense of identity. So our sexual attraction, our sense of gender, ethnicity, what those things mean to you are really characterized by the child ego state, which you can actually think of as just sort of ego in the popular sense of the word is the child state. But it's phenomenologically different than the parent and adult state. Oftentimes it's, there's more of an uh, energy there, more of a charge um, feels, you know, out of control for a lot of people. 
uh, what they describe as ang- anxiety is actually just child ego state um, energy. <clears throat> so we have these two conditioned states of mind, and then there's the adult state, which is just present moment awareness, objectively processing information in the moment, reality testing is what it's referred to. Um, beginner's mind is a close approximation, what Zen calls beginner's mind. It's everything's brand new. It's novel. Uh, you're seeing it for the first time. You're feeling it, experiencing it as novel stimuli. So we have this personality structure. And what I talked about last in the last episode was this concept of symbiosis, or when two becomes one. And I gave the example of the mother and the infant, where the mother is conditioning the infant by way of how she takes care of her. This allows the child to develop their own child ego state. And because they don't know they're separate from the mother, they don't have an adult state or a parent state, um, this arrangement is passive, which is why eventually the baby has to stop nursing and start exploring the world and individuating uh, eventually down the line. Uh, but it's also the you know expression of love is symbiosis. When two becomes one, um, it takes a letting go of parts of yourself to to be fully with that other person. So tying this in to the virtual world, when we think of the Googles, Facebook, you know, Apple, Microsoft, Amazon, these companies within what they call the attention economy, the idea is to capture your attention. And everybody understands that these platforms are meant to be addictive. They're engineered uh, to keep us on the device, the platform, the application, etc., as long as possible. What I think is happening is a symbiotic relationship. There's this notion in Zen called no mind, which doesn't mean to be without a mind. It means to be in this sort of uh, infant state where everything, you're really enraptured and captured by everything uh, because it's characterized as non-thinking. So I gave the example of with my daughter who was born in February, you know, hanging, dangling a toy above her in the crib, you could see that her attention was grabbed uh, by these objects. And I think that's the way we're being in the virtual world is in this kind of uh, infant state of mind because the environment and the stimulation with the environment is provided for us by the uh, the virtual digital technologies, Facebook, YouTube, etc. You, you're not encouraged to pay attention to your body, what's happening in the moment, because you're sucked into uh, the platform. Now, the issue with this symbiosis with uh, big tech is that they're uh, like the mother and we're the infant. So they're providing the frames of reference, which everything online is competitive. You know, it's the number of likes you get, it's the number of views you have, the shares. Uh, the whole system runs on viral content so to be the 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 sort of loudest within the network uh that's how you ascend and it doesn't matter if you're sharing things about white supremacy or love and compassion the system itself 
just feeds on the content that's the most viral, which tends to elicit the most emotion in the user, you know, despair, fear, uh, that sort of thing. So if we're operating within this system, the computer-mediated algorithms, which are systems themselves that say do this first, then do that next, uh, then do the next thing, a series of binary choices, meaning either one or two, two or one, you know, left or right, is this binary nature of it is very much like the parent ego state is prejudicial, is dualistic. It's either good, bad, big, small, quiet, loud. It's it's those kind of uh, one or the other things that the algorithms decide. Is Andrew Archer going to like this or is he going to like that? Based on a comparison of every other person like, statistically like uh, a 39-year-old white male in the Midwest, you know, et cetera, it's just comparing across through pattern recognition. Uh, so that's the, the parent ego state is deciding algorithmically what you're going to be, predictably what you're going to like, what you're going to want, what products you're going to want, what content you're going to want to see. Um, and it becomes uh, your environment uh, determining you know, based on probability, what you're going to like, what you're not going to like. And and fundamentally, when we're in the virtual space where you are dissociated from our body, you know, we feel like we're inside uh, the computer, the email, the application. So you're not going to be encouraged to have that adult ego state awareness of what's happening right now. You're just being captured. Uh, and so it's that kind of symbiosis where the computer mediated algorithms and the platforms itself become the environment they become the decision making process that is basically invisible to us we can't see it happening on our news feed it's in the the background which allows us to be in this uh, child ego state specifically coming from the place of what thomas harris calls the not okay child or what's understood as the adapted child in transactional analysis. Because in addition to there being a parent-adult-child framework for the personality structure within that child ego state is a parent-adult-child. So it gets a little confusing, but it's that parent-ego state within the child that you can every parent can understand when the kid is about... 18 months old, they start saying, mine. They grab a toy out of another kid's hand or pick something up, they say, mine. Uh, so there's an understanding of themselves and separation. Uh, they call it object permanency uh, that develops early on. And the understanding that they're separate and they can possess for themselves. Uh, they say, mine. They say, gimme. Uh, it's because they want for themselves. That's the parent within the child ego state. When they get to be two or three years old, then they say, I want to do it myself. And that's when you know that the personality structure is fully on board, is that there's a recognition of themselves as being separate, but they also have an internal experience about desires that they want. You know, they want to do it themselves. So it's this part 
of the personality structure. Call it the parent and the child, the adapted child state, the not okay part. Uh, in Buddhism, they just refer to it as the sense of lack. Uh, that no matter what you get that you're pursuing or wanting, as soon as you get there, so to speak, there's always going to be something else that you want, that you're craving for. And the issue for Zen is how do we let go of our attachment to craving? And what my understanding is is that the virtual world is increasingly suggesting that you are that part that part of you that thinks you're self-determined, I want to do it myself, uh, that cyber cybernetic version of you is actually um, who you are. Whatever you have to say about Donald Trump, and I could say a lot, he really fused this idea that your Twitter handle is who you are and that it's your speech. And what you say on Twitter is actually speech itself, and that's who you are which is very interesting historically. Um, I could kind of go into maybe a historical thing here about my past and understanding with technology, but maybe I'll, I'll wait on that. The point of this, this episode of the podcast is to talk about what I would say is the worst part of us or the dark side of human nature is this part of us that wants for ourselves what Buddhism calls craving. Um, so let's use Trump as an example. Trump is sort of the ultimate capitalist. Uh, he, in every, at least how it's presented in the, the media, his persona is, in every situation he has to win. He has to dominate. He has to exploit for his own gain. Uh, what Eric Fromm called the authoritarian character, that they either dominate or are in backed into some sort of submission uh and it's about you know exploiting f to possess for themselves uh with the personality structure of parent adult child you can understand what everybody you know just understands on a gut level which is that uh, trump is a narcissist uh probably uh would qualify as psychopathic sociopathic but looking at the personality structure, what would we see? What we would see is that his parent state is excluded. If we think of the parent simply as a conscience, you know, right and wrong, ethics, morals, he doesn't appear to be operating based on right or wrong. He appears to be operating like the three-year-old who says, "Mine, gimme," is he's trying to win in every uh, encounter. If he doesn't get what he wants, then he's going to be aggressive and attacking and name-calling. So how you would describe that with a personality structure is that the adult, which is reality testing, awareness of what's happening, you know, self-awareness in general, is contaminated is the language that transactional analysis uses, meaning that for him, reality is uh, going after what he wants. So he's really representative of, of American culture more broadly. We don't really want to see ourselves within Trump, but he's all about self-promotion. And his pal, Mike Pence, if any of you watched the debate with Kamala Harris, the presidential debate leading up to the election in 2020, Kamala Harris would make a point, describe things, 
And then they would turn it over to Pence and he'd say, well, you know, Kamala Harris said this, but the reality is dot, dot, dot. You know, and that's what Trump does. That's what Pence does is is they say the reality is how they see the world. (laughs) That's the reality, not how how anyone else sees the world. So that's what I mean by contaminate is like what Trump wants is reality. Uh, There's nothing else outside of that. Uh, that he's driven by. So that's the part of the personality structure uh, that is adapted. So he's adapted arguably quite well to our socio-political economic system to always try and get what he wants. And then, of course, if he doesn't get it, uh, he can file bankruptcy, which he did a number of times. But going after what you want, self-maximization, you're self-determined, you're an individual uh, geared towards, you know, this kind of Darwinian survival of the fittest uh, mentality. But from a Buddhist perspective, uh, that you can't ever get what you want because you're forever going to be wanting for more, and that want is actually uh, an expression of lack. And so if you don't feel okay about yourself, then you're wanting for something to make yourself feel better, to make yourself feel more secure, more grounded and so whatever you want to call it the authoritarian character uh the adapted child ego state it's this this issue with craving uh that has become so naturalized in our culture so normalized that's the problem that i think we're operating from that part uh when we're online maybe another popular example is useful to think about this this kind of dark part of us, this competitive individualistic part, is if you watch The Last Dance, the documentary on on basketball player Michael Jordan, it's very clear his authoritarian tendencies and that he was always in competition, even when he wasn't playing basketball. He's gambling constantly. He's golf. He's playing golf for money, etc. What he would do was always analyze uh, his competitors and try and figure out their weaknesses so he could dominate them. If someone slighted him in his mind, uh, one of the coaches for the Phoenix Suns didn't say hi to him uh, when he was out to dinner once, then he says, uh-huh, I'm going to go after that guy. And how does he do it? He scores you know, 50 points against the Suns or something the next night. So <clears throat> it's this competitive part, this, this part that's forever wanting is this kind of dark side of human nature that I think more broadly our economic system um, exploits. But certainly the virtual world, it's a, what I said was a want mode system. So what you want is what you get. Everything that you've ever wanted online is stored in perpetuity. Uh, it doesn't get deleted, doesn't go away. And the system will continue to show you what you're wanting. But again, we're, we're kind of suspended in this state of want uh, because there's always more to be wanting. The, the news feed doesn't come to an end. Uh, there isn't a timeout that says you've sort of had enough online. It wants that attention, that part of the personality um, that's wanting. A good kind of example of like how we are acting or becoming in the virtual world and maybe we'll talk more about this in the next uh, 
episode is there was a book written in 2013, published in 2013 by Dave Eggers called The Circle. And it was made into a movie that Tom Hanks was in. Um, the movie's terrible. Don't watch it. But read the novel. Uh, the protagonist's uh, name is May. She's a 20-something uh, graduate from college who starts an entry-level kind of position for this mega tech company, large corporation called The Circle. And their employees are called Circlers. Uh, and there's about 10,000 employees there. You know, it's like a Google or a Facebook. Uh, in the the sort of ingenuity of this uh, tech platform is that they've created an operating system uh, whereby all of your passwords, your preferences, your likes, all your, you know, banking information, everything is consolidated into this one platform and it's the application is called true you and so this is what they've created as a, a sort of you know monopoly on uh, the the tech space and this this singular operating system that's supposed to be like the truest form of you your true self because it's all of your habits and preferences etc but so she starts out working in this in this company and at first you know she just has a computer terminal and she's doing this customer experience uh work which basically amounts to her you know answering probes and questions from their advertisers uh giving them information and that she gets rated uh you know on a on a scale of zero to a hundred of how well she does. And she's trying to get a hundred score on everything for this customer experience program that she's running. And soon enough, more and more computer terminals are added to her desk. And now she's, you know, really multitasking and taking on other employees. Meanwhile, when she's not at work, she has to be, I shouldn't say she has to be, she's encouraged to share everything about her life on uh, the circle posting comments you know creating content uh that's like you know the the idea is you know sharing is caring kind of thing and and that uh privacy is basically lying like she has incidents where she doesn't post about what she's doing and they they can't believe why she wouldn't have uh you know posted about this stuff but she gets a party rank based on how how much content she has, you know, her followers, her updates and everything. And so she's ranked uh, by this. So as she, you know, ascends within the company, eventually she's what they call going clear, this kind of radical transparency. She has a camera around her neck that's live streaming everything she's doing all the time. It makes me think of politicians like AOC, Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez, you know, is constantly updating you know, their followers about every little thing they're doing. It seems like they're being uh, genuine and, and sincere. We're really getting the true you, you know, understanding of what they're doing, but it's all, it's a persona. And that's what the adapted child ego state is. It's basically your persona uh, of who you are that's being, you know, really reified uh, online in a lot of ways. So anyway, back to this book, The Circle, um, May, you know, is constantly 
anxious whenever she's not on uh, the platform. She's not working. She's not updating uh, what she's doing. She describes it as having this tear inside of her, this kind of emptiness that creeps in uh, every time she's alone with herself. And I think that that in a way is what's happening to most of us is that we're, you know, just craving this entertainment, being stimulated, um, et cetera. And so she goes right back on. Um, there's also a point later in the the book where she, while she's working, she's also responding uh, to questions about herself. And the questions come from a digital version of her own voice. So it's a voice in her head <laughs> asking her questions about herself. And it's, it's you know, in a way, a kind of, you know, binary response system. She says, yay, or or nay, or meh, uh, to the, the question. And so really what's happening is uh, she's becoming a sort of algorithm. She's constantly answering questions about herself, yes or no. And she she becomes infatuated with it. Uh, she likes hearing her own voice, asking her own questions. So in a way, her internal experience uh, disappears as this system uh, becomes more and more of her. And, and what happens in the book is she basically becomes a kind of psychopath. Maybe I won't uh, explain the whole thing to you, but she starts doing things that were, you know, uh, much more characteristic of like, you know, what Trump would do or, or other, you know, psychopathic um, individuals as she, uh, her status raises within the company, uh, the stakes become higher for her. And she goes to these, these uh, larger and larger extremes to basically build up her party rank, uh, which is based on her digital social experiences and, and increasingly more and more of her behaviors they they fit her with a smart watch in 2013 you know I don't think there was even uh, many smart watches out there but it's keeping track of her skin conductance it's her heart rate it's her BMI it's all kinds of data that the circle uh, wants on her and it's presented as to keep her safe and to be efficient she gets the best care etc but what we know now from research by people such as Shoshana Zuboff and her book, The Age of Surveillance Capitalism, is that all of this data is just being sold to third parties who also sell it to other third parties. And then with that you know, computer-mediated analysis of the data, uh, companies are able to predict essentially what you're going to want, what your behaviors are going to be what's the best time to advertise to you, et cetera. But with more and more data, the prediction uh, becomes the actual outcome because the best prediction is actually what happens. And so with this uh, amalgam of data, these uh, computer systems have the ability to hurt us, to bypass our awareness. And again, if we're not operating from an adult state, it's very easy to manipulate uh, the user into doing things that they're not even aware why they're doing things, especially in the child ego state. There's already been uh, documentation of Facebook a number of years ago being able to manipulate uh, voting just by putting a voting badge at the top of the, the news feed and sharing uh, images of other friends of yours who have voted that 
there's a statistical correlation with voting, which you might say, well, that's not a bad thing if more people vote. But now uh, we're in a different place, historically going through a pandemic where Facebook specifically uh, would censor information if people were posting um, ideas that possibly the coronavirus, the COVID-19 virus, was leaked out of a, a lab that was censored and shut down uh, by Facebook, even though now there's more emerging materials suggesting that that's a likely, that was a likely thing that actually happened. But if you were posting about it in 2020, it was a conspiracy theory, you were censored, um, shut down. So kind of, you know, tying these loose ends together, if we think of May working at the circle as being like, you know, um, us being users of Google or Facebook is, you know, the circle knew everything about May, literally what she was doing 24 hours a day and could use that data to manipulate, control her in the same way that, um, you know, these tech, big tech platforms uh, and all their computational power, their artificial intelligence, algorithms, uh, they're what, what Zuboff calls big other. Uh, and the, the power and the ability to control the choices, the possibilities of what you're going to be seeing or not seeing, like the example with COVID-19, you just didn't get information about alternatives that maybe it didn't come from a bat transmission to a human. Uh, there's tremendous influence in uh, behavior with that. So that we're in this sort of symbiotic relationship with big other, which isn't even an identity we can put our, our finger on, of course, that big other is sort of like the mother to the infant um, symbiosis here, and that this is passive. And we're in a kind of, Franco Berardi calls it the age of impotence, that we're in and like nobody knows what to do another video of a african-american man shot in the back of the head and we say well what are we going to do about it? another mass shooting there's multiple you know every day every weekend and we're we nobody has any ideas on what to do about it. i mean i think some people have ideas but we're certainly not going to find those answers um online so <clears throat> kind of summarizing here we think of the parent, adult, child, ego state as power, possibility, and potency. It's big tech that has the power, the possibility, the choices of what we see, the control around the choices of what we see is all computer algorithms. And, and it's not it's not like this is Big Brother from George Orwell's 1984, where it's a totalitarian regime that's trying to brainwash us, control us, take away our agency, self-expression. Big Other is is just interested in having access to all of your data, everything that you do as a way to make more sophisticated predictions like The Circle, that novel. They're, they want all of May's um, data. It's the same kind of thing. It's It's not immoral, it's amoral doesn't care what you're doing online but that's having an effect on us and i think it's 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 operating from this sort of 
psychopathic or this adapted part that has nothing to do with empathy or compassion. It's all about competition and individualism. And it's really hard to escape that frame um, online, especially in these big tech platforms like Facebook. That's just becoming uh, normal, more normalized. So the characteristics of these ego states, power of the parent to condition, the possibility of the adult, what are you paying attention to, the potency of the child, your influence, your ego, your sense of who you are, your identity is potent. That's that's how we connect with people. So the function of the child ego state is about connection. And we're trading, you know, real world connection, obviously, for digital connection that has problems in and of itself. But if we're all about connection, constantly connecting with who we want, when we want it, what we want, we put ourselves in a relationship with big tech where they have the power to control and to control our choices. They're the parent and the adult in terms of uh, power and control. So again, just to summarize, if we have the parent, adult, child, ego state, the characteristics of the state is power, possibility, and potency. The function, broadly speaking, of each state is control. The parent is about control. Do this, don't do that. Uh, the adult is about choice. What are you going to pay attention to? You're going to pay attention to your breath and meditation. You're going to pay attention to the next automated video or or content that you're viewing and what is what are the choices within that uh, framework of things to pay attention to and then connection the child ego state is how we connect with people and there's a difference between wanting connection with a person and uh, craving or wanting you know material things substances you know status sex etc uh, that obviously uh, the real world connection uh, to deal with this sense of lack has to be resolved uh, interpersonally. And of course, my position is is using Zen meditation that maybe we can talk about and teacher-student uh, relationships. And then lastly, if you buy into this symbiotic arrangement where the user in the virtual world are in this symbiotic process, not two not one, where big other has the the power, the possibility to control the frames of reference, the choices that we make, which allows us to just be in this want mode. The issue with operating solely from that adapted child state or that sense of want is that the adaptation is from our conditioning so we're being if we're being conditioned in a way programmed in a way by the virtual world then we're going to just play out what they call the life script in transactional analysis and maybe i'll talk about that next time but there's various types of scripts which is like the blueprint for your life uh you know the big life decisions that you kind of decide on uh without real conscious awareness of it when you're a real little kid and there's specific injunctions that you get from uh, your parents and caregivers 
An injunction is the negation of activity. So your parents will say, don't put your finger in the light socket or don't touch the hot stove. Those are temporary kinds of injunctions that you learn from. But there's larger um, injunctions, one of which is don't think. You know, where your parents will tell you what to do. You don't do any thinking. So the parents might not say, don't think. But when we conceptualize the virtual world as a kind of relational process, the injunction is don't think. You know, Google will manage your calendar, your email, you know, your virtual assistant will plan these different events, things that you're going to do. So you don't have to do any of the thinking uh, yourself. And so Claude Steiner uh, in his book, Scripts People Live, talks about a mindlessness script where the injunction is don't think. And big tech is selling us don't think, just want. Be in that state of wanting. The issue with the mindlessness script, there's probably a lot, but the big issue is if you're not actually thinking for yourself, there's always this ominous feeling that maybe you're going crazy. And if we look at the mental health epidemic, especially in the United States, but globally, is there might actually be a connection between uh, these technological innovations, especially in young people that haven't fully formed their brain yet, uh, this sort of mindlessness uh, provoking this kind of internal terror, this this um, terror, but uh, like May experienced this terror when she, when she actually was alone with herself for half a second, this extreme anxiety of not knowing. And so the fiction that if we know everything, like there's an example in the, the book, The Circle, where the company counts every grain of sand in the Sahara Desert, which is just absurd. But the idea of knowing everything, everyone will be safer, everyone will be the best version of themselves. In contrast with you know what my Zen teacher would always say is that not knowing is the most intimate. Uh, knowing is the expert mind, is closing things down, versus not knowing is the beginner's mind. So we'll leave it there. Uh, talk more about our relationship with big tech next time and in this idea of the life script. Thanks again for listening. I'm Andrew Archer, the subversive therapist.